Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When are you ever going to get professional at your intros? What, do I have to leave for you to get professional about it? (laughs) Hi, everybody. Welcome to Chickstree. This is Annie Potatoes. That's Evie Jones. Let's cut to the chase. We have some news. Breaking news. Breaking. We haven't done, I haven't done that voice since season one. Back in the day. Do it now. Do it now. The breaking news right across Australia and across the world. (laughs) Evie Jones, sadly leaving Chick Street Podcast, going on to become the princess of the world. (laughs) (laughs) She's marrying herself and she's becoming (laughs) important. Yeah, look, we just skimmed over that news, but it is true. It is, in fact, true that sadly, I'm marrying myself. She's I'm marrying going to herself. become the princess of the world. Evie's uh, time with the Chick Street podcast is coming to an end. It's it is. This is our last episode together. This is our last episode together, and it's very sad. We've been reminiscing. Um, we we. Chickster is not going away forever. You can't get rid of me that quickly. That's um, good. I'm very glad it's not going away because it's a, an extremely important and wonderful podcast. And when I told you that I wouldn't be able to do it anymore, I was so worried that it would be dead. And yeah. it's not. It's not going to die. It's definitely coming back. We probably have um, a month or so just to kind of, you know, revamp the show a little bit. But look, we thought we would do in this episode, we just look back at some of our favourite episodes and just have a bit of a chat, um, bit yeah. of a, you know, walk down memory lane, I guess. And maybe inspire you to go back and re-listen to those episodes if you want. Yeah. These are our favourite episodes, the, thing, the, the episodes that have stuck in our memories. Yeah, yeah exactly. 75 episodes we did. Wow, that's incredible. I know. We started this little podcast. Our first episode came out on the 23rd of June 2020. Um, We'd Mm. just gone into a really heavy lockdown in Victoria. Um, We were recording in a studio. We thought we were so professional. We were recording in the lockdown then, were we? Because we were out of the first six-week one and then we are allowed to go to the studio. Studio, yeah, but um, funnily enough, my first, the first favourite episode that I was wanted to talk about, we had just gone into the really big lockdown, the mid- midnight the night before, and we oh. had gone to the studio um, oh. and because we were still, I think there was still something oh, if was, you were working or yes, something. So. Yes, you were working, yeah. You could go to work. There was, I mean, yeah. there were rules that were just changing constantly, weren't yeah, there? Yeah, there were, there were. But, um, you know, that was, I mean, that was the start of pretty much two years of, of severe lockdown for us in Melbourne. 
our first episode, if I remember correctly, we drove to the studio and picked up wine on the way and thought that, that we'd do it that way and we couldn't eat or drink while we were recording. It was a very bad idea. I remember how starving I was. That's it. We were going to do we, – we thought we would drink wine while we chatted, but yeah, we realised – Yeah, because we were doing it at night back then yeah. and we, we realised we couldn't. We, we were exhausted. We were we too just, tired. We're too tired to do it at night. We had to only do it. And we still to this day, yeah, we've done it during the day because we, we have can't to do it do in the nights. morning. Yeah. We're that old. It's it's true with me with so many things. I'm really good for around mid-morning. Like I yeah. say to my manager, if you've got if I've got to do something, an interview or something, make it mid-morning. Yeah. Because yes. you get the best of me after you that. You do. Not the be- I mean, you don't even get the best of me at that time. Well. That's the, be- that's the best of a bad bunch of you me. You get the better of you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah the hopeful me. <laughs> the hopeful you. Um, funnily enough, also, the, the, the episode that I wanted to relive and go back and have a look at was um, Nellie Bly. So she was one of the first ones that I did. It was actually Ep 3 and just – just side note, that ep was I had rolled my ankle and we were oh. living together. Oh, yeah. And I woke up this morning and this is so weird. I woke up this morning. Well, no, I woke up last night to go to the loo and my ankle <gasps> was so sore. I put it back. I've had to strap it back up again today. Oh, my God. And just out of nowhere, it's just something's happened and I've tweaked it or I've done something and it's really... Physiological, do you think? Physiological, like you've thought about that time you rolled your ankle and your body has remembered the pain? Potentially, because it's been completely fine until I've literally started, you know... pathway. Oh, my God. It's insane. pathway. You've got to get rid of it. You gotta, you gotta not talk about it ever okay. again. We're not talking about it ever again. It's fine. Talk about something um, else. But that was funny because you were, you had rolled your ankle. Just oh, I can talk about it really quickly because <laughs> I've got a really funny video. I'll have to find it of you trying to get out of the pub. Oh god! Next door at the Clare, the Clare Castle Hotel. Oh god! And um, it was funny to me. You'd look at it and go, "Oh, you're a mole." Yeah. <laughs> Do they do good food in that pub? They I miss do. That food. They bloody do. I don't miss living in Port Melbourne, but I live. I miss that food next door. Nellie Bly. Well, so why Nellie... did you tell me about Nellie Bly? And well, why, why did that Bly... stick out for you? Well, Nellie Bly was um, a journalist. She was famous for going around the world trying to beat the fictitious record of going around the world in 80 days. She did it in 72 days mm. on her own. She was a journalist. She, a bit of a self-made journalist. She went and, you know, applied for different roles back in the, you know, late 1800s. And she wanted to try and prove herself to one of the big New York, um, it was called New York World newspaper. So she goes to them with an idea that she's going to go undercover in an insane, insane oh, asylum. insane asylum. Yeah, she goes oh. undercover and she's in there. She spends 10 days in this insane oh. asylum and it actually brings to light the really bad treatment of people in these places and, and mm. it got her her going in there and her report um, laid the, the the grounds for improvement for um, insane, insane asylums at that time. Um, 
but then she went on to do more undercover work. Like she did, she played hundreds and hundreds of different roles where, you know, she got um, arrested. She went un- right undercover, underground to the underground baby trade, the child selling, all that kind of stuff. But yeah, j- just incredible. And she was, she also went on to have a number of different patents. But yeah, remarkable woman in the night, you know, late 1800s, 19th century. She was quite a remarkable woman. I forgot just how remarkable baby trade and the patents and absolutely the insane asylum. Yeah, well, the insalems, insalem, none of neither of us can say it. (laughs) Salem, salem. Yeah, the asylum stuff is enough just that on its own. So she goes to a uh, women's boarding house um, where she stays up all night and she said she had to give herself the wide-eyed look of a disturbed woman. And she begins making accusations that the other boarders are insane. (gasps) Yeah, that's a dead giveaway. And it's also reported that she told the assistant matron that there are so many crazy people about and one can never tell what they will do. True. So after days of refusing to go to bed Mm. and the other residents starting to become more and more scared of her, the police are called and she's taken to the courthouse and she's examined by a police officer, a judge and a doctor and she's taken to Blackwell Island. Oh, that doesn't sound very good. So Blackwell housed 1,600 people and it had just 16 doctors on staff. So asylums at the time were considered curiosities and thrill-seekers like Charles Dickens and others would would often visit them um, and they would love the thought that the people inside were mad or considered mad. Mm. So Bly quickly befriends uh, fellow inmates and they start revealing things to her about just the psychological and physical abuse that is taking place, Mm. um, that patients are forced to take ice-cold baths and remain in wet clothes for hours. Um, They were forced to sit on still benches without speaking or moving for stints lasting 12 hours or more. Some patients were tethered together with ropes and forced to pull carts around like mules. Food and sanitary conditions were horrific with rotten meat, mouldy stale bread and frequently contaminated water dished out. God, imagine how many people must have died. It's just hideous. Those who complained or resisted were beaten and Bly even spoke of the threat of sexual violence. So she spends 10 days in the asylum until eventually she's released by a lawyer of the newspaper, gets her out, um, and she writes a story called 10 Days in a Madhouse Mm. and you can still read it today. Mm. So that's a good one. My next, my first one Mm -hmm. was... Um, I'm going to try to remember without looking at my notes. Okay. Uh, Lillian Roxon. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. Uh, Even though they'd made a movie around the time that we – is that why you did that one? Because they had made it a A documentary, yeah. About her? Um, Because I, the first I had ever heard of her or seen her really, I had heard of her, but it wasn't until um, I watched I Am Woman, the movie – about mm-hmm. Helen Reddy. Um, and she was her really good friend in New York. But what she had achieved was 
and is something that should be spoken about a lot more in this country, um, if not the music industry um, yeah. in journalism. Mm-hmm. Like she, do you remember really, what she did? Really she did some stuff. Um, she created, oh, what was it? A like a bibliography of rock stars or something? Yeah, the first encyclopedia for music. For music, yeah, yeah. I mean, why is that not spoken about? Oh, I, like she needs to have a bust made of her in the Hall of Fame, like a big head, a of statue. Her. A well, statue. All of these women should have statues. Yeah, they really should. But why don't we all know about her? Like, really know about her because she's no. a woman. <laughs> that's why I'll answer my own question. Yes, that's right. That's right. She was, um, like I said, a mother figure. She didn't drink. She didn't take drugs. She was really. She was a little bit older than them as well. She was probably about ten years older, kind of than most of these kind of emerging. Um, pop stars and the managers knew that if they would go to her um, and they would listen to the music and they had the opportunity to listen first that she would could either make or break a new artist right by writing about by writing about them so and people would listen to her they respected her opinion about music and she was sort of starting to you know make her way up the the ranks of like people to kind of take note of in terms of in that music, in the music scene. So she was one of the first mainstream journalists to treat popular music with any degree of seriousness and to regard it not as a trivial flash in the pan but as an important social phenomenon. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a good one. So both of those are from season one. So go and check them out if you want to do a re-listen. Yeah. Season one, ep three. Season one, ep 13. I've actually got... One from season, another one from season one, but go for it. It's Lizzie McGee. Remember how passionate I got about her? Yeah, that was a frustrating one. It was. It was a really frustrating one. Just, just it went on and it went on and it went on. She just never got her dues, and still to this day, so recently, Mm. they brought out a limited edition. Um. for everyone that forgets who Elizabeth McGee is, she was the inventor of Monopoly. Monopoly. Like really came up with it herself, mm-hmm. had iterations of it even. Yep. And then uh, Ma- she was given $500 for it, if I remember correctly. She went on to never, ever, like he stole it basically or, you know, mm-hmm. she sold it to him, probably trusting him or not thinking it was going to do anything and mm. he just wouldn't never credit her for it and he took all the accolades like so many accolades so much so that recently um, Monopoly redid an edition called Miss Monopoly and of women of note and it was brilliant except it didn't have her can you believe that you go into there to the website of Monopoly, which is made by Hasbro, I think, or Hasbro was announced something yeah. else, and yeah. it, it it tells you the um the the backstory of Monopoly, and she's not in it, not even mentioned. I can't believe it. I I still can't believe it. I think out of all the ones we did, for me, that was the most frustrating. That was the yeah. most like. Oh, that's unfair. Just so unfair. Unfair, yeah. And everyone yeah. knows Monopoly. Everyone knows yeah. that, you know. And, and they credit this man and it's not well, his idea. 
And why? Why can't it be changed now mm. in this world of equality and equity and meritocracy? Why can't we now? Mm-hmm. I mean, is there a law? Are they going to be sued? Are they going to owe her family money? Like what? Mm. What? what is the reason that they won't amend this? Yeah, I don't know. say, hey, do you remember Monopoly? You're never going to believe it. But, I mean, maybe they think everyone's going to stop playing if they knew. <laughs> but I don't think so. I don't think so. Do you think a whole heap of men will stop playing? Maybe the masonries will stop playing. The mason <laughs> members of the old men's club that play every Sunday at their meeting. <laughs> well, I think what we can do as members of the public is each time, I mean, I'm sure there's still households all across Australia and the world who are playing Monopoly. Every Looking time you get right that now. little board out and yep. you, you start to play, it doesn't matter who you're playing with, I want you to say... Do you know that a woman invented Monopoly and her name was Lizzie McGee? So at the turn of the 20th century, board games were becoming really popular. They were commonplace for middle-class families. Um, Changing workplaces gave rise to more leisure time. Electric lighting uh, was reinventing the daily schedule and games could now be played uh, more safely at home and for longer periods of time. So uh, board games became quite the past time. Mm. So she set to work drawing and redrawing, thinking and rethinking up a game that would be based on the theories of Georgism. And this was all because of her dad giving her this book from Henry George, who was the founder of Georgism, and the book was called Progress and Poverty. As an anti-monopolist, her father drew from the theories of George, who was a charismatic politician and economist who believed that individuals should own 100% of what they made or created, but that everything found in nature, particularly land, should belong to everyone. So the general idea was that you tax the land and only land, shifting the tax burden to wealthy landlords. His message resonated with many Americans and um, a lot of people kind of jumped on board with the Georgism idea of thinking. So this led to Lizzie coming up with the idea of the board game called the Landlord's Game. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, it was a practical demonstration of the present system of land grabbing with all its usual outcomes and consequences, she said. It might well have been called the game of life as it contains all of the elements of success and failure in the real world. And the object is the same as the human race in general seems to have, i.e. the accumulation of wealth. Her game involved players being able to get rich at the expense at the expense of the tenant. So every time you land on someone's um, land that they owned, you had to pay up. Um, It meant that those players who kept doing that only grew poorer um, and the available land decreased. And as the cost of rent increased, um, as the uh, landlords got more hotels, more houses and built up upon the land. Anyone who landed on a railway had to pay. Anyone who wanted light and water had to pay. And anyone who crossed the wrong landowner had to go directly to jail. And a man stole it. And a man stole it. 
That's episode 17, season one. Chickster, if you want to go and listen to it, tell them yeah. that. <laughs> yes. Tell them that. Well, I'm going to flash forward Ooh. to uh, February 2021. And I think by this year we – sorry, by this year, yeah, by this year and by this episode, we were well and truly over the fucking lockdown. Yeah. Well we gone through a really shit it. Christmas yep. where no one was able to go anywhere. We were all in lockdown. We were recording from home. Um, in this particular episode, Sissy really features heavily. Snoring. Um, she's snoring. Um, yep. And Beverly also features in this episode. Oh, bless why. She's having a little cough. I think it was the you know how she fell in the hole and the young kid lifted her yeah. out by her trachea. Yes, he squashed her trachea a little yeah. bit, didn't he? Yeah. Oh, I'll have to go and listen to that so I can hear her cough again. You will. Yes. The chick that really stood out for me for this season was um, Catherine Switzer. So mm. she was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon, and just the 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 pure determination of that woman to a enter she so she entered into the marathon under a male pseudonym well she she just used her initials like a lot of women do to try yeah. to um trick the patriarchy uh so she yeah entered as a woman she started running the race and uh one of the officials came and literally started yelling and screaming at her to get out of his race mm-hmm. She ended up finishing the race ahead of her boyfriend who, you know, Mm -hmm. was giving her shtick about running and, you know, girls can't run and all of that sort of stuff. So she's, she's, she was freezing cold. She's run the, she's run this whole race. And at the end of the race, she's got to sit there and wait for a fucking boyfriend to finish. And she is disqualified from running and she is because she didn't have a chaperone. Yeah, because she was a woman. But she's since gone on and I think she ran the Boston Marathon again at age like 75 or 74. And she won it. Did she? No, she didn't. She was 70 fucking one. (laughs) (laughs) She absolutely did not win it. But how good would it be if she did? She went on to really help advocate for women in sports and women in running and marathon running. Very so, inspirational for a lot of women, a lot yeah. of women who yeah. used to want to run and wouldn't run because running was not a woman's sport. No, that's right. It wasn't even a woman's hobby. You just didn't do it. Yeah, they thought your uterus would fall out. That's right. Your uterus will fall out. Oh, <laughs> my God. So, yeah, and then so, but she said to her boy, boyfriend, so, so the girl ran in the marathon. How did she do? And he said, well, she actually beat me, so I don't want to talk about it anymore. No wonder he doesn't want girls to run. So at the time, you know, in the 50s, um, running or anything athletic, for that matter, wasn't common. So women were told that if you run, you'll get big legs. Yep. You'll grow a moustache. Yep. On your face. You'll get hair on your legs. Yes, you'll get hair on your legs if you run. You'll get hair on your chest. Yes, that's a common one. But worst of all. What? Your uterus will fall out. What? Your uterus. Yeah, well, it does. If you run, I mean, my. That's why you don't run, right? No, well, I used to run so much that (laughs) I kept losing uteruses. (laughs) 
And I was like, you know what? I've only got a few run, uter- run, run. uteri left. <laughs> uteri. <laughs> I've got to keep some of these Jeez. uteruses. I so know. I had to stop running. Oh, it's all coming back to me. It's all coming, coming back. back. Coming back to me now. Oh, my God. Um, well, sticking with season two. Yep. We move on to our first, not our first, but in this series of, of us talking, uh, we had a, a guest during we, this episode. It was yeah. episode 10 uh-huh. of season two, and we had the lovely Nellie Thomas, comedian and uh, author, come on. She introduced us to someone we'd already really, really knew or thought we knew really well, Lindy Chamberlain. Yeah. And I loved that she did that one because Lindy, um, you wouldn't think what would be a a chick in history that we would be admiring. Yeah. And it turns out she's exactly that. Like she is a chick from history that we owe a lot more admiration to than she's ever been given. And um, Nellie really made it quite personal as well, which made it quite personal for us because we were alive when Mm -hmm. uh, as her baby Azaria was um, taken by a dingo and we lived through the trial and we lived through her going to jail and we lived through the vilification of this woman and the absolute lies and corruption that happened um, around her and indirectly to her um, that just should never ever have happened to someone no. a, a grieving mother especially so yeah. um that one really it's shameful it's actually really me. yeah yeah it's shameful because of just the absolute balls up of the yeah. um of the case and the investigation yeah. and just how they yeah. just yeah vilified her and just just made her out to be guilty of this horrific yeah. crime I mean, imagine yeah. being being tried for a crime of committing your of of killing your own child while you're grieving your own child. Yeah, and you know you're innocent, and you know not, your husband's innocent. Yeah, and not ha- being able to put her to rest. Oh, God, like they were religious people too, so that would have mm. been an extremely hard thing. I mean, it is on anyone. Yeah, but just to not have that um, religious closure as yeah. well, mm. um, and for me, it, it really struck a chord because my parents were so anti her, my mother in particular. Yeah. There was a lot of internalised misogyny yeah. um, at, at play there and now I can look at the behaviour of my mother and other women and just see how prolific it was um, and how obvious it is now, the internalised misogyny and hatred of this woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, that... It really breaks my heart to think that I was observing something that I didn't have any understanding of. Mm. And this woman, she had no right of reply. And no. to think that Lindy still is alive today and happy and has forged and endured and thrived, what strength of a human that mm. can go through that ordeal yeah. and still come out the other end I mean she she would be so incredibly traumatized by this but and all those children of that family would be Mm. um but they are enduring and that is something that is quite incredible to watch of the human spirit 
Absolutely. And just where do you find that, I don't know, forgiveness to, is it forgiveness like, you know, not to have that pent up kind of animosity or rage towards the system and what happened to her because that, that in the end all end up killing you. Yeah, that's right. You know, so to be able to just even put that down and, and carry on. In 1980, that's the year that Azaria died. So they went to on a camping trip to Uluru mm-hmm. and then on the 17th of August they reported that Azaria had been taken from their tent by a dingo. Even at that time there was a lot of media speculation, but I'll just go through the facts and then yep. we can come yes. back to that. So in 1982 she was convicted of Azaria's murder. Right. And... I think two, at least two or three appeals were dismissed. And shortly after that conviction, and I had forgotten this salient detail, she was escorted from prison to give birth to her fourth child. Yeah, 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 she had her fourth child. That hit me in the that hit me in the fields Mm. in the fields. Mm. So, 1986, four years later, new evidence was discovered, and she was released. Now, a few things. There were so many things that I could have pulled out of the case, but I just picked. I knew you two would. Latch onto these ones. Mm. So I've picked out the best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Early on in the case, the facts show that for two years before Azaria went missing, Uluru Chief Ranger Derek Roth, who probably knows the area quite well, mm. had mm. been writing to the government urging a dingo cull mm-hmm. and warning of an imminent human tragedy. Mm-hmm. We're heading into season three now because my other one and last one out of my four. Um, is also from a special guest that we had on um, episode two of season three. We yeah. had the beautiful goggle boxer Kerry Milligan on, and oh, that was such a good episode. That was one of the best episodes. Yeah. Like we were so into her storytelling yes. yeah. and her passion and love and knowledge of the chick that she chose for us, a woman called Moira Merka, who was a local. Mm-hmm. Um, Melbourneian, and if you live in Melbourne and you don't know who Moira is, then you're really not a real Mel- Melbourneian, and we weren't. And I have to say, Kerry honorarily inducted us, she and did. we are now yep. real Melbourneians because we know who Moira is and we know how incredibly important she is to this city mm. um, and what a story she had and so beautifully told by Kerry. Yep. Kerry is, I think, one of the um, most inspirational feminists I know and mm. she is so incredibly smart and she – the one thing I love about Kerry the most is she still learns, she still does courses, she still goes and does yep. things. She has a – she's a, in a choir. She, you know, meets she up. doing dancing. Dancing. Kind of dancing, yeah. She's inspiring in that yep. sense that um, the only thing about – Poor Carrie, I think she was born in the wrong era. But the the story about Merkus family is really interesting because the gendarme came to the door at about 7.30 in the morning and said to her parents, um, you need to pack your things, you're going. And they just flew into an absolute panic because nobody really thought this would happen. They'd heard rumours, mm, mm. but they never thought it would happen. They couldn't do that to us. We're French, you know. Why would they do that to us? Yeah. So he said, all right, well, you're not ready. I'll come back later. So he came back at 11.30 and he said, are you ready? You know, I told you to pack, you have to go. And again, they said, but no, why? You know, you can't. What, where are you taking us and why? So he went away again 
mm-hmm. and he didn't come back until 1.30. So he's obviously saying to them, just go. Right, get, yeah. get out. Right. Yeah, because why would he give them so yes. many chances? Yes. So that's an opportunity. The mum had said to the dad, mm. you know, just go to a neighbour's and hide because if something happens to us, you can come and rescue us. Mm. So when the guy, the gendarme came back at 1.30, he took mum and the three girls, she had three sisters, to the gendarmerie and then they were sent to this arena. It reminded me so much of the Superdome in New Orleans when that mm, happened. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. They were sent to this arena for three days and three nights. They were in this horrible place with no toilets and people sick and vomiting and, and horrible, horrible experience. And then they were loaded onto a cattle truck mm. train yeah. and they were taken to the concentration camp. Mm. Kerry, her mum, Emmy, and her daughter, Isabel, have just written a book mm-hmm. and it is out now. Well, it's coming out, I think, this week. So go and have a look. I think it's called Out of the Box. Okay. And uh, the three of them have written it together, their stories of their life. So uh, if you want to know more about Kerry, I think that's the way to do it. Oh, she's so interesting. That would be amazing. I think they all have interesting stories to tell three generations of women. Yeah, incredible feminist women like yeah. Emmy. Yeah. Emmy, my goodness, the stories that she's that she has. I mean, you just have to watch Gogglebox and see how incredibly funny she is. Yes. And just how unshocking or unshockable she is to think that she would have come from a generation where she would have had to really fight a Against oh, absolutely. the patriarch to, to be the person she wanted to be or, you know, sleep with the man she wanted to sleep with or get um, the jobs that she wanted to do or I don't know. I, I can't wait to read her story. Uh, I'm going to stay in season three as well. Okay, stay there. I'm going to stay here. And um, this episode, I did I did re, re-listen to this episode just because I love this chick and I loved the TV show that came out about her and funnily enough when I think even in this season four I was thinking of a woman to do and I was like oh I want to do Anne Lister really god that story's amazing and I'd forgotten that I'd actually done her already yeah (laughs) so I did do I did do her and that's that's the next one I wanted to to chat about so that was um ep four in season three you had moved because we were recording from your kitchen table and we tried so many times to get the audio right for us to be able to record face to face and that was actually one of the ones where it worked I don't know what we did or how we did it we fluked it but I think from then on we would fuck it every time we would fuck it up we would did much so that we lost an entire episode yes remember yeah that was a great episode too wasn't it it was you guys should do it you and your new host should do it because it's such a beautiful story. Yeah. Yeah, and we just thought we couldn't go back there again. We couldn't yeah, it was very emotional. Yeah, one. it was very emotional. It was such a shame. Yeah, so Anne Lister was um, – there's actually a TV show called Gentleman Jack on Foxtel, which is what I – which is what introduced me to her story. Back in 18 – the early 1800s, she becomes the benefactor of – Shibden Hall, which is this amazing property, I think in Halifax, and which is very rare because she was in a family of five. She had four brothers and they all died and she wasn't married. So she got the property and she was able to manage this property, which was kind of a first for back in those days because women weren't allowed to own property. But she somehow, there was a loophole because her 
she didn't have any family. And so she takes on this this property. But she's famous for writing the longest running diary in human history. And mm. half of it was written in a secret code. She right. was deeply in love with another woman, um, which That's was right. very, very, you know, frowned upon back in the day. Um, but they did exchange rings and have their own little ceremony. Um, the woman that she loved went on to marry a man and she said, you know, when this is all over or when he dies, we will be together. Um, it's just a beautiful story of of love and she was nicknamed Gentleman Jack because she used to wear only black and women never wore black unless they were mourning. In her diary, she starts recording everything, what she ate, her digestion, the weather, her sleep patterns, the stuff that she's learning. And she also writes explicitly and apparently very explicitly about her love affairs. Oh, no wonder they made a show. And most of the stuff that's racy is Mm -hmm. in code. So remember the code that she developed? Horoscope and Latin letters. Yeah. Yeah. As well as making notes about her everyday life, she also – records what's going on in the rest of the world Um, and so it's one of the best records of life in Halifax from 1817 till she dies. She dies, yeah. Fascinating woman, amazing story and Serena Jones plays her in Gentleman Jack. Listen to the app and also watch the Foxtel series because it's really good. On my list because I didn't time and I'm going to do it right now because I do have in my notes shows to watch yes and that needs to go on it oh you'd love it you would really love it and then my final one is a recent one we did season four um Mm. from this season was I mean you can't beat this incredible story of Sally Ann Huckstep and you know Australia's most famous infamous whistleblowers from the you know corrupt police back in the back in the 70s and 80s and you know ultimately she paid the price of her life and was found drowned in Centennial Park Um, but such an incredible and I don't know if you've if any of the listeners or if you Evie have watched any of the 60 minutes footage of her and the actual uh, interview because we played a little bit of it in the podcast but go and go and watch that if you've listened to the episode and you want to sort of watch a little bit more because it's just incredible her Ray Martin interview on 60 minutes where she literally comes out and says that the police are corrupt and she names people, um, you know, and people watching that at the time were like, she's not going to live very long um, for for telling this story on national TV, but she just had no fear, you know. And she did live for a little while. Five years, yeah. She was So that's a lot longer than I would have given her. Yeah. I would have thought she would be gone pretty quickly after that. Yeah. But, yeah, they got her eventually. I've got a bit of audio I'm going to play you. <gasps> I know. Please. Hang this is so me. exciting. I, I love this. I've been paying the police for 10 years. Um, what, as a prostitute? As a prostitute. My ex-husband was a criminal. I paid the police many times for him. I would have been quite happy to go on paying the police because it's a way of life and it's 
the way you survive. But when the police become judge, jury, and executioner, then somebody has to speak. Somebody has to come forward. Somebody has to start somewhere and stop it. Everybody, no matter who they are, heroin dealers, murderers, thieves, everybody is entitled to justice. What a woman, like just to do that, Mm. to do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. And the best thing about her was that she was so, in that interview, she was so unashamed about saying, yeah, I'm a prostitute, yeah, I take drugs, but that doesn't mean I'm lying. And that was a really, probably at the time, a huge thing for people to start understanding that you can be both. Yeah. You know, and that there's a reason that you become a drug user and a prostitute. And it's not because, you know, you go through school and go, you know what, I just think that's a really inspirational thing to become. (laughs) Um, And that would have really started the seed of a lot of people's minds Mm. growing Mm -hmm. of there's so much more to people than we give them credit for. And this woman is speaking probably the truth. That's all we've got in terms of looking back. I mean, what an incredible collection of amazing mm. stories of women. So we yes. hope that we've we've shared 75 of them. 75. You know what? I really, I, the only problem I think with our podcast was that we just didn't include enough men. Because <laughs> you know what? They just never get their credit. 75 women. 75 women amongst so, so many more. And there are so many more that you will be, that this podcast will be highlighting and putting a spotlight on. So Mm -hmm. don't ever stop listening. I won't. You better not. I'd just like to say thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you. And thank you to our listeners as well. Mm. Our listeners who have been with us from the very, very start. And, you know, when Evie and I were like, let's start a podcast when everyone was in lockdown and that's what you did, start podcast together. People laughed at us because we were starting a podcast. Yeah, they're like, of course you are. So I do hope you keep listening. So I think they will. Good. They better. It wasn't about me. Good luck to you all and goodbye. Thank you, thank you, and goodbye. I know it's sad, but it's good. Like it's fun, it's good, it's sad. Yep. And that's it. But um, I'm going to leave you with a clip. I've put together some of our best moments. So enjoy. And I will see you again. Evie, well, you can listen to Evie on her other podcast, the uh, Two Girls, One Pod podcast. And... You can keep listening to Chickstreet. We'll be back in probably a month or so. Like I said, new format, but the same amazing stories of chicks from history. Yeah. Yay. Here's to chicks in history. <laughs> Play um, me the clip now. I haven't done it yet. Oh. Hello. Welcome to Chickstreet. Please press one to listen to. Annie Potatoes. And press two to hear Evie Jones. Oh, they chose me. Hello, everyone. How are you today?
you know what you 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 need to play with your strengths. Your strengths are fucking editing and talking. <laughs> do not do the first stuff. You fucking sound like a fucking idiot. It's like when that time you tried to tell me Justin Timberland's real name is Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Timberlake, as if it's Timberland. Everyone knows that. Justin Timberland. Yeah. Timberlake. What? Oh, it's Timberland. His name. Timberland is a producer. No, it's Justin just Timberland. Timberland. No, it's just Timberland. No, it's Justin. He sings "Getting Sexy Back." He was in the Mouse Club, NSYNC. Do you not know him, Justin Timberland? Thank you. <laughs> and she dies two days later. Well, it's that one then. The fever. Saturday no, night fever. No, it's Anne Lister. Oh, sorry. Oh, is that what you're saying? I thought yeah, you were saying what fever. Oh, no, no which Anne. Which Anne. Sorry. You went, they don't say. I'm like, well, whichever one dies, that would be the one <laughs> that got it. Meant which fever? I was like, Saturday night fever? I don't know. <laughs> Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, Hello my baby dog. There's <laughs> nothing in my brain. Stella, Stella, not. <laughs> Don't, don't you make me laugh, I can't do it. I just literally took a sip of coffee and I was not expecting that. All right, well, I have go. got to get it right. Okay, go. I won't look at you. Stella, Stella, nonchi, nonchi, nonchi. Stella, Stella, nonchi, nonchi, nonchi. And then we had one for Marty Mar. I don't know. I have no idea. Oh, that's a made-up word. Stolat, Stolat is um, <sighs> the Polish congratulations song or happy oh, birthday or, you okay, know. Right. And um, because her name was Stella, I just went with it. Ginger beer. Ginger beer, no less. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Where are you going? I popped a ginger beer. <laughs> The Markham Gator dancing like a stripper. The Markham Gator. God, I was worried about the energy today, but I think we're going to be fine. I just had a sip. Have a sip of that. See what that does to you. What do you think? They blow your mind. Sis reckons they are too. (sighs) Do you hear that? It's gross. ASMR. You ready? Are you ready? He was uh, Italian and he has had a he spoke with accent. Uh, he said, uh, oh, sexy. Last night uh, I have the wine <laughs> and uh, next minute uh, I'm on the floor. I bet you everyone listening now is in, yeah. the, in like saying it in their own head. Like, You're all saying it, aren't you? Investigative. Anyway, on, on women uh, factory work. She workers. investigated things, okay? Yeah. <laughs> That's too high. How would you know? Go. Sam's not even in the room. No, I'm talking to myself. Go a bit lower. No, that's too low. No, a bit more. Split the difference. <laughs> Split the difference, Evie. And she's squatting flies, one fly at a time. <laughs> well, sometimes none at, at a, a time. time. Mostly none. How many times does she have to be told? About six, maybe. <laughs> Probably about five or six. We're up to three. <laughs> Samantha. Good luck, everybody. Would anyone like headphones? 
Do we need headphones? You don't need them if you don't want them. No, I just I liked, I liked. Annie likes to wear them because she likes the look of it. Oh, right. Well, I like to hear what we're no, saying. No, it's like. not about... We, we don't even turn hers on. We just pop them on. Oh, <laughs> 